Okay, so last, last month we were in a series on powerful people. This month uh, we're actually doing a series on dating and relationships. We're doing a series on dating and relationships, and, and I'm really excited. So tonight I'm going to be sharing some things. Next week it's Abby and I's first ever co-op preaching. So, uh, so I'll tell you what, if Abby's a way better communicator than I am, she's way better. You're like, Jake, where'd you get all your good stuff from? I'm like, I get it two places, right? I get it from the Bible, obviously, but then it's Abby. It's like, and it's, it's the Lord, and then Abby tells me what to say and corrects me when, when I say, <laughs> not, not bad things, but when I say things that are kind of dumb. <laughs> like a few weeks ago, when, when we were talking about powerful people, and I told, if someone was gossiping to you, and I told you, just tell them to shut up. Like, she was like, babe, you probably shouldn't have told your congregation to tell each other to shut up. And I was like, you're... You're probably right. So if you're, if you're here for that, I, I apologize for that. Um, sometimes I just get so passionate that like I say things that are just kind of silly. But, uh, but as we get going into this dating and relationship series, I actually, uh, I'm going to take a pause real quick in the beginning. And uh, we have, as, you, as many of you know, if you're regular to access, we have what we call our cultural expressions. And so they're different, you could say, phrases that really embody a culture or an experience or an expectation that we have for those who call, uh, call resurrection life and access home. And so one of those cultural expressions is we call house of testimony, which is, which is the fact that the testimonies of Jesus are the spirit of prophecy, that when God does something in someone's life, we need and have to celebrate those things. We just celebrate those because when we celebrate those, they serve as seeds for those things to happen in someone else's life. So when you experience emotional healing, physical healing, healing, spiritual healing, when you experience provision, when you experience revelation from the Lord, like we can't keep, like we can't keep it to ourselves. We have to proclaim those things to, to, to really show that God is alive and active in the earth. And he wants to use us. And, and a few weeks ago, I shared a testimony. And there's another part of the house of testimony that I really want to touch on tonight. It's this fact that, it's the fact that in our testimonies, we must be extremely, extremely accurate. And that when we share testimonies, we never want to exaggerate. And that when we share testimonies, we want to be extremely honest and point glory to God and not make it about the energy and momentum of a testimony. And so a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I shared a testimony from One Heart Conference about a girl who, who's, who I said her scars were healed. If you were here, you remember that where I said I prayed for her and, and she said, so I would, I, I, part of, part of have being a house of testimony is when we have false, we were given false information and we share it and it turns out to be false. We don't want to pretend like it didn't happen. I want to be in completely and openly honest with all of you. So the youth pastor told me originally that the scars disappeared, but he actually called me later and said, hey, Jake, she actually lied about it because she wanted them to disappear, but they didn't actually disappear. And so I'm here in the, in the, in the scope of house of testimony. I'm, I'm doing this because I want to be honest with you. Because it was such an amazing, I was so like, whoa, God, you're like, and God's still amazing. And the, and the beautiful testimony of this girl's story is that my youth, the youth pastor said, listen, Jake, she's more connected she's ever been. She's been touched by God in her heart, and she's on a journey of mentorship with one of our leaders, and that is a testimony. 
We don't need, like, praise the Lord if her scars disappeared. That's, like, supernatural, and I believe, I'm believing for that in the future. But I wanted to model what it looks like to, when you share a testimony, it's not an embarrassing thing if it comes out to be actually different than what you hoped in the beginning. It's better to be honest than it is to do anything else. <laughs> it's better to be upfront and honest, especially when we're trying to cultivate a culture of, of sharing testimonies. Cool? Cool. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray quick, and then I'm going to go into, uh, into this message on, on dating and relationships. So Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this amazing group of young people. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit meets each and every one of us right where we are, God. You meet us right where our heart condition is. You, read us, you meet us right where we are in this moment. And you're calling us not to stay where we are, God. But Holy Spirit, challenge us, convict us, and move us to take a step forward and not to stay where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. So how, how many of you would agree that we live in like a crazy world? Like... Just, I, I think about this, and I think back to like college before I started dating Abby, and and, and before I was like smart, and uh, and there's this thing that came out when I was in college, right? This thing, this app, this new app that everyone was on. It starts with a T. Tinder. We live in a messed up world, guys. We moved, like, so I see this progression in culture, right, which was, like, it used to be, when you're going to date someone, like, you used to, like, you can imagine the show where there's, like, the dance, and, like, the guy goes over to, like, the the girl's side, and is like, hey, yo, do you want to dance with me? And it wasn't, like, bumping and grinding dancing. It was, like, actually appropriate dancing, and not, like, now. Uh, But... So we had, it's like, that's what it used to be, right? It used to be, you actually had to talk to someone to like actually ask them out on a date. And then in high school, right, there's this thing that comes out. It actually came out when I, when I was probably like in eighth grade. Well, first MySpace, well, first Zanga came out and then MySpace and then, and then Facebook came out when I was like in middle school. And then this thing started happening like in, in middle, in high school where like, like this, like people start messaging each other and like asking each other out through like Facebook Messenger. And we're like, it's like, whoa, like, what? And then you have people that are like, how'd you guys meet? And it's like, oh, we just like met each other on Facebook or we met each other, like we just started DMing each other on Instagram. And like, it's like, when did this all happen? Like, like we're in this culture where you live, like the dating landscape is so not face-to-face and personal. And the dating landscape is so over this on your phone. And the dating landscape is just so not actually personal. What I've just seen is that we as the church, we as followers of Jesus, don't need to be ignorant of what's going on in the world, but we need to be setting the standard for health. We need to be setting the standard for holiness. And we need to be setting the standard for consistency and longevity. Not in dating, but in, because in, dating always points to marriage. So I believe that we actually don't have so much a marriage problem in America because, you know, they talk about the divorce rates in America. And I actually think the divorce rates actually are a straight correlation to how people date. 
And I believe that actually if you can lay the foundation, right, if you can lay a foundation in your dating process, it actually sets you up for health in your marriage. But if we do things the wrong way when we date, we set ourselves up for failure when we get married. So this dating process is not something that we should just jump in with no swimmies on and with no help and that we shouldn't just do without, without asking for advice or asking for wisdom or even going and talking to our friends about. And contrary to popular belief, dating is not about romance. I just need a man who will treat me the way that I need to be treated. You know, I just need a man who will understand me. Sorry, girl, not going to happen. Good, guys. Maybe someday when he's 85, he'll understand you. But And so this dating concept, this dating topic... As, as, as followers of Jesus, we have to, have to, have to not have a game plan of rules and regulations, but we have to have virtues, priorities, and convictions before we start dating. Now, if you're dating, you can still develop those. But Pastor Duane always talks about the story of the man who is in the boat and, and the captain who was on the boat, and the boat started sinking, and he didn't know how to swim. See, you don't learn how to swim when you're in the boat. You learn how to swim when you're on shore, when it's shallow. And so we develop our, our virtues, our, our, the characteristics. We, we develop our boundaries before we get into the dating process so that when, when all the flutters and butterflies and feelings and emotions and hormones... <laughs> kick in, we can actually make wise decisions that will lay the foundation for the future in the rest of our lives. And if we don't do that, sorry, you can be, you can be like the best, most well-intentioned person ever, you're, like, you're going to mess up. And even when you do these things of developing boundaries, you're still going to mess up. And you're still not going to be perfect. This is not a, a series that's going to be about perfection. It's going to be a series about a journey, and a path, and a direction that we, that you individually are going to have to decide of whether or not you're going to want to take. So, but tonight I'm not going to talk so much about. I'm going to talk about dating, but I'm going to talk about the, one of the core uh, issues that I that that I think we need to to settle as we talk about dating and we talk about relationships. And we talk about maybe you're married and these things apply even to married people. That if we don't address and if we don't think through these topics, it can cause damage in the long run. And so the first, the first point I have is, is we all got daddy issues. We all got daddy issues. Maybe you had a good father. Maybe you had... A not so good father. Maybe your father was, yeah, he, he was all right. You know, like he was there for me. He provided for me. Maybe your father was totally distant and totally out of the picture. But no matter how good of a father your father was, the enemy uses our earthly fathers to speak lies to our lives that we inevitably will always be deceived on. 
And so, and what I've noticed in my own life, in early in high, in specifically in middle school, high school, and in early in college, what I noticed is I had this deep, deep, unhealthy need to be in a relationship at all times. I had this deep, deep, it was literally like if I wasn't pursuing or talking or flirting, like, I, literally, there was never a time from when I was in seventh grade until literally, like, early in college that I was not, like, f- actively flirting or pursuing or, or playing th- with the emotions of another girl. It's really what I was doing. And as I look back, I'm like, whoa. And then as I think about other people as well, I look and I say, wow. So, many, so much of our pain and our confusion about our father the most common way that we cope with that pain and confusion is by seeking relationships and romance and even sexual actions to fill and, 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 and cope with the pain that we've had from our fathers. So maybe our father's distant, and, and, and maybe if you're a guy, your father's distant, and, and you have this really weird, like you feel like to, in order to be a man, you have to have a girlfriend. And you feel kind of empty on the inside, but at the same time, when you have a girl next to you, you feel like more of a man. And then maybe, maybe your father, maybe your father was, uh, maybe your father was just really, really consistent, and he he worked hard, provided. But you still—that's what I had. I'd have an amazing father, but I still had this just weird thing that was going on. And maybe, maybe you're a gal in here, and and. Your father was distant, and, in order, and because you didn't get the, the earthly, you didn't get that love from your father, you, you didn't even know what was going on in your mind, but you were just so attracted and so drawn to always be connected t- to another guy. And that was the way that, it was just, it's not even something you even necessarily made a decision on, it was just a natural response to brokenness that's inside of us. And so as we talk about dating, and as we talk about relationships, we must recognize the brokenness that we were born into. The first step that we all must take is coming to grips with the brokenness that we were born into. If we will not do that, that we will not be able to find mercy and grace in our time of need. It's actually in the moment of recognition, and then we talk about you recognize and you realize that you can confess. And the, and, and the Bible says that if you confess your sin or your brokenness to one another, it says you'll be healed. But it's not until the recognition, the confession, and then the part that no one likes the repentance. You see, it's not enough just to be a victim to say, well, I was born into this. You see, because Christ has given you and I the responsibility to respond to his grace. Grace does not allow you to stay the same way that you were before you met the love of Christ. So although you may have daddy issues, although you may have father wounds that have, that have really scarred you from the time that you were young, or maybe you have confusion on things because of the things that operated in your family, but it comes to the moment of recognition, the, recognizing the brokenness, 
confessing the brokenness and your need for a savior and your need for healing and then making a decision to repent and say, I will no longer stay a victim of my past. If, you do not, if we do not make that last decision to repent, we will never be healed. You see, because Jesus, the healing that Jesus offers us is always in tandem with handing us the responsibility to live out the healing that he gave us. So if you and I do not walk out the healing and we do not walk out the freedom and the forgiveness, then we will not walk in the, in the, in the fullness that God paid and Jesus paid for us to walk in. Is this making sense? This is okay. So it's like that three step is that recognizing brokenness, confessing that we lived in that certain way and in confessing our need for healing and then repenting and saying, I'm no longer going to live that way. Maybe some of you are in the room and you've, you were like me. You move from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to the relationship to the relationship. And maybe even you actually had two relationships at once in there where you're on the flirt game before you're out of the other committed relationship and you're already lining up your next relationship before you actually get out of the one that you're in. Maybe you've been in that game and it's not enough just to sit here and say, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. No, because Christ, this is not a matter. This is not a fringe matter. The way that we do relationships is a direct reflection of the condition of our heart and our relationship to Christ. It is not a fringe issue. It is, it, is, it is not a secondary issue. It is a primary issue among the young people who claim to be following Jesus. <laughs> I feel like I'm really intense right now. Just everyone just smile real quick and laugh and laugh. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to, I know it's serious because I'm, the reason I know it's serious is because y'all faces are like, Ugh. yeah, that was me. Or maybe some of you are, or maybe you're someone who like, you've just been so afraid. And you've, you've had a desire to be in a relationship, but because of that pain from your father or your family or wherever that pain comes in, that brokenness, you've actually closed yourself off and you've actually developed a fear of commitment. So instead of walking on the other extreme where you're going from relationship to relationship, you've actually closed yourself off completely to trusting any man or maybe trusting any woman. Or maybe you've, you've, you've taken that, what happened in our family, our daddy, father issues, and you've, you've claimed an, a piece of your identity that said, no one will ever want me. You see, I'm touching on another issue. This is another issue that is just as prevalent where we, we, we take on these, these characteristics, we take on these identity pieces that we say no one or I do not deserve a godly man or a godly woman. Since I do not deserve that, I might as well just keep living the way that I'm going to live. No, you do not have to, you do not have to claim that for yourself because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, you are a new creation in Christ. It says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. It's recognizing that I've been living in one of the, it's recognizing where, the question that I'm asking you is, where are you at? 
I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not asking you to be completely and utterly broken because we shouldn't all be broken. But it is realizing that I'm in a position and I need to take a step forward. Like I need to take a step forward no matter where we're at in life. I need to take a step forward with these issues. I do. And the reality is this. The pain we will give to Christ will become, or I'm sorry, the pain we fail to give to Christ will become the filter in which we see our future. So the pain that you and I refuse to deal with and offer to Christ will become the filter in which we see our future. The offenses that we fail to forgive or that we don't forgive. So part of this issue with our dads is we have to come to a grips, even if they didn't really do anything wrong, like per se, but even if they do do something wrong, there's a point that we have to forgive those people that cause this brokenness or this distrust, whatever it is. We have to forgive them. If we do not, it will become the filter in which we see our future. You see, we must recognize What's happened in our lives, offer it to Christ. And we must forgive the people that cause that pain. If we don't, we will, we will start living in fear. Fear of commitment, fear of loneliness, fear of being, ins- uh, fear of being insignificant, fear of not being a man, fear of never having a family. Fear of rejection. You see, these are the issues that we deal with with the dating landscape. And so many people post on social media and they post on Snapchat and they're on Instagram and they're posting with their boo and they're like, look at us. And it's like, and And it's like the one picture where the girl's like kissing them on the cheek. And it's like, this is amazing. We love each other. We've been dating nine weeks. And then we look at that and we're like, I'm never going to have that. It's like, trust me, you don't want that. (laughs) Like, trust me, you don't want that, okay? Like, we do this because we have this deep fear of not having this picture-perfect relationship. And so we do whatever we can to make it seem like we have the picture-perfect relationship. Instead of owning the fact that we're on a journey and we don't need a picture-perfect relationship, we need a relationship that's founded on Christ. We don't need the filters. We need the virtues. We don't need the likes. We need the boundaries. We don't, like, we don't need all those things that we think we need. We need Jesus to fill our cup so that when we come into relationship, we can serve. Oh, man, I'm going to get preaching tonight. Oh. So we have all these things, all these fears that we get because we see other people and what seems to be perfect. Like maybe we went on vacation, right? Abby and I, like we went on vacation and like you maybe saw some of our Facebook and Instagram posts and you're like, oh my gosh, like those, they look so, it was just, looks so beautiful in Florida. Oh my gosh, that vacation. Maybe you're like, I so want, this is like a girl impersonation. If you're a guy and you talk like this, like... Maybe you're like, bro, look at Jake's dad bod. Like, whoa. <laughs> like, 
like, oh my God, you know, like, so there's this like need, like, oh, but I'm telling you, like, I mean, we didn't, we actually had a really good relationship, but we argued in our, in our, we were arguing at points in our vacation. We should like Instagram that sometime. I should just like put my phone and be like, I'm going to post this on Instagram. <laughs> kidding I would never do that but seriously we don't highlight all the moments that are like frustrating yelling shutting the door like right we don't ever highlight those parts because we want that sorry I'm dating like dating we want that like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt relationship right but guess what they got divorced because that shows you that you can't just base it on image you can't base your your relationship on image we can't base our dating on image. It has to be based on something much more consistent than emotion and image. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Another version says this, for, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound excuse me, of a sound mind. So in our pursuit, in our desire, listen, like maybe some of you don't want to be married, but like, like most people that I talk to, like have somewhat of a desire to, like, to be in a relationship and to, to someday have a family and, and, and be married. And God gave us that desire. He gave us that desire within. But he, he, does, he does not give us desires so that we'll place them in higher priority than our relationship with him. See, I meet some people, and they're, and they're well-meaning, and there's so many people in the world that are like just not okay with being alone. But God's not given you a spirit of fear. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. So I'm going to ask the question, if you're, you're fearful of being alone, do you know who's in the room with you? If you're fearful of being alone, do you actually recognize that, that you're supposed to feel that way, but you're not supposed to meet that need with, with a relationship? You're actually, God actually desires to, to fill that need. That God actually gives us this innate, like he doesn't give it to us, but we're born with this innate emptiness. And God's like, I want to fill it. Will you let me fill your cup? Will you let me give you peace? Will you let me love you? Will you let me fill you up with joy and contentment so you will not need another man, so you will not need another woman, so you will not lead a sexual encounter? Will you let me fill you up so you will not need anyone? He's waiting. He's chomping at the bit to fill your cup. But he will never fill a cup. When we place other things before the source giver, he, he will never fill our cup if we do not place him as the number one source of filling. Does that make sense? I don't, how do I say this? Like if you're looking for relationships to fill your cup, God will honor your decision to value relationships over him. 
And he will let you stay broken. He will let you stay empty. He will let you stay depressed. He will let you stay hurting. And he will let you stay those things because you have chosen it. But he is saying, listen, will you recognize the brokenness? Will you recognize that you're empty? And will you come to me? And I will fill you up. John 10, 10 says, I have come. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Bad relationships come to steal, kill, and destroy. DMs from dudes you don't know come to steal, kill, and destroy. <laughs> but Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Listen, you don't need any more girls to, to you don't need any more girls to message you or swipe left on right or right or whatever on Tinder for you to feel manly enough. Like you don't need any more swipe rights, and even though you don't, you're like, yeah, well, I don't really like message them. I just like kind of like to do it for fun. Listen, that's proof that you're empty. That's proof that you're empty. And Jesus is saying, will you sacrifice and lay that down? Come to the altar and let me fill you up. Not one time. I'm not talking about a one-time thing. I'm not talking about a come to the altar tonight. I'm talking about coming to the altar of your bed every morning and say, Jesus, fill me up. I'm talking about the bread of life. I'm talking about the water that never runs dry. But my, my, my fear and my observation is that we go to the source of sexual, of sexual actions. We go to the source of, of fear of man and wanting acceptance of others before we go to the source of life, salvation, healing, and peace. <sighs> And maybe you're here, and maybe you're not in a relationship. Maybe you're here, and you've never been in a relationship. Maybe you're here, and you've been really broken and hurt by previous relationships. Maybe you're here, and you're in a relationship. Maybe you're here, I don't know where you're at. I'm talking to everyone. I'm talking to myself. Because no one is exempt. No one, no one, no one can replace or substitute a relationship with God for something else. It will always bring death. It will always bring death. Romans 8.15 says this. So we're talking really about these, these issues, this emptiness, this brokenness that we have that takes the form of a lot of different things. This is what Romans 8.15 says. It says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You see, God wants to become our father. He is our father. But he's so many of our father, but we have failed to make him our father. And that comes through his spirit that lives inside those who call Christ Lord. Those who have decided to say, I'm following and I'm living my life for the glory of Jesus. It says his spirit's inside of you. 
And by him, this spirit that he gives us is the spirit of adoption. Say adoption. adoption. Fear of commitment. Because somebody wasn't faithful to us, so we're afraid of being hurt, so we're afraid to, to make any sort of commitment to one another. Fear of loneliness. We never want to be alone because we hate the feeling and what, it, and what it does inside of us when we're alone. Fear of being insignificant, not, be a part, not being a part of something or being part of the bigger group. Fear of, of, of rejection. You see, all the fears that we have, all the fear that we have comes to the light and is exposed as lie, as a lie by this verse. Because we receive the spirit of adoption. When you get adopted, it's not as if like, you know like you can't choose your family? Like you're just born into your family? Some of us got messed up families and that's all right. But when you get adopted, this is, it's just another level of, of, of love that's like different than being born because it's like, I choose you. I chose you. That's adoption. And adoption is, is family. Adoption is, is safety and security. Adoption is being fathered by a new person than who actually brought you into this world. So God's saying here, my spirit that's inside of you is crying out, Abba, Father, so that you, all your fears will be wiped away. But until you meet the Father, your fear will always control you. Until you, until you recognize the brokenness and come to him, your feel, see, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If we want a new result for our lives or a new byproduct, we have to do something different. Like we can't just stay the same and hope to, to, that God will, will sovereignly come down and be like, one day we go in the shower and it's holy water and it washes over us and we no, no longer have any problems. Like that's not how it works. Like his love is here. He's extended his love and his adoption to us and he's saying, will you grab onto adoption? Will you partner your decision, your will, your, your time with my word and my plan for you? And if you'll do that, you will not, it's not like you earn it, but what you find is you find Christ. You find freedom. But if we continue to indulge in things that are just fruitless and, 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 and worldly and sensual and we binge watch Netflix and we're on Instagram nine hours a day and we're on Snapchat and we, and we play Fortnite all the time and we, we, you know what I'm saying? Like if we don't actually get in the word and, 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 and consume our minds and our hearts with God's word, like nothing's going to change. And God's love is waiting to meet you right where you are. So, I'm going to share a picture with you. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you this, this thing. So your healthiest step, so they're talking about dating and relationships, and you're like, is this really a dating and relationships talk? No, it's not. <laughs> this is a talk about you growing closer to Christ. <laughs> because this is why. Your healthiest step towards Christ, or your healthiest step towards a relationship 
is a, taps, is a step towards Christ. If, if you desire a relationship, if you desire to be married, if you desire to, to be dating, and you're like, I'm ready, like, I feel like I'm ready for this, um, listen, like, your step is a t- step towards Christ. And so when we talk about dating, I have a, a picture, you can throw it up, that first one. This is, you might have seen it before, it's pretty common. Um, this, is, this is a dating image that I want to give you. That when you have a guy and a girl who, who are looking to date, you see how like far apart they are? You see how there's like a distance between them? So you can throw the next picture up. So this is the model of, of dating. So as, as the girl moved towards God, and as the guy moved toward, moves toward God, what do you notice about the distance? It's closer. I've heard it said this way. If you're looking to be in a relationship and date, run as fast as you can towards Jesus and look to your right, look to your left. Whoever's catching up, good option. Like, run as fast as you can towards Jesus. Whoever can catch up, I mean, as long as you're attracted to him. (laughs) Making jokes over there? And so this is a model that I think, uh, uh, I'll say it again, your healthiest step towards a relationship is for you to take a step towards Christ. Show the next one. Can I get some help from someone? Just someone to, Jake, why don't you come up here? Come on. That's you, bro. Come on. <laughs> so anyone seen one of these relationships? Can you, um, uh, can you hop on the stage? Yeah. So, um, pull me up. Pull me up. Okay, you can't, you're weak, bro. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, give me your hand. Okay. This is called missionary dating. <laughs> you can go sit down. Thanks, buddy. Well intentioned people, I see so much potential in her. No, you think she's hot. Well, he's just, he's a good guy. Uh, um, <clears throat> no, he's not. <laughs> like, listen, if you desire to have a godly marriage, no matter how attractive someone is, they have to be moving towards God. I'm not ta- telling that you need to have perfection. I'm not saying they have to be perfect. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying the trajectory and the pathway of their life needs to be moving towards God. And if it's stalemate, if it's like not moving anywhere, I, I, there, there's a truth in the reality of, 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 of people is that if you're not growing, you're actually declining. Like, if I, like I'm either gaining weight or I'm losing weight. Right now it's gaining weight <laughs> because Doritos are good. I, know, I haven't had Doritos, babe. I promise I have not had a Doritos. Um, like when we're, when we're looking in this dating and, and if you're in a relationship, right, right, 
It's not like, okay, we were like both growing and now we're dating and it's like, we've arrived. It's like, no, you need to start running faster because the moment you start dating, the moment the temptation goes, whoop, temptation goes way through the roof once you start dating and it's the more that you'll need Christ. It's the more that we'll need Christ. And so it's not, it's a continual pathway. If you want a godly marriage, if you want a godly relationship, it's funny, you actually have to start moving towards God. So go figure, like, go figure that. Interesting. So, a pitfall that, that, that we fall into, we can fall into, is exalting marriage or exalting relationships or dating over our commitment and devotion to Christ. I kind of shared that earlier. And I think it's extremely important that we, that we really recognize this if we're in this. Okay, it's okay if you are. Remember, the first step is admitting broken. It's like admitting, it's like, hey, yeah, this is real. Don't ignore it. Like, own it. <laughs> like, own it. Because when you own it, it allows God's grace to transform you and change you if we'll, if we'll hand that over to him. Um, I, I want to say this. Whatever is more important to us than God the devil will use to bring us to ruin. Whatever is more important to us than God, anything, so like money, relationships, like fame, whatever, the devil will use to bring us to ruin. Whatever we willingly surrender to, to, to God, he will bless, or he is sure, is sure to have his blessing. So I think for some of us, the first step towards a healthy relationship is recognizing, and it's for you to get in your room and get alone with God and get alone in prayer, and to settle in your heart, which is not a moment in time, it's actually a process that the Lord will take you through. And you need to settle on being alone with Him. Because if we start dating out of loneliness, you'll never know if the person that, you, that you're with is actually someone you'll wanna be with. Because if you, if you choose someone out of loneliness, you actually don't know if you love them or not. Because it'll be a mystery of, did, did I choose them because I was lonely or did I choose them because I love them? So our motivation for that can't be loneliness. And the only way to, 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 to battle that is by surrendering that and settling in our hearts saying, God, if it's just you and me the rest of my life, it's, it's enough. And that's, that's a difficult conversation and difficult thing to settle. But that's called surrendering your will to God's will. And God is a good father who wants to give us good things. It doesn't mean that God is going to hold off a dating relationship or a marriage in the future. But it, what it will do is it will allow God to bless it. But if you force it and you do it your way, God's blessing won't be on it. But if, you'll, if, you'll set, if we'll settle in our hearts to say, God, God, I'm not okay right now with, with, with being alone. Like, it actually is terrible. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. Like, I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm just like, I feel like I'm falling behind of so many people, God. Like, like I, this is awful. But God, I know that you're enough for me. 
So God, if I never find anyone, so be it. I will be, I will be yours for the rest of my life. And what happens is when that settles in your heart, it actually takes the pressure and the fear off so that when you actually meet someone that you actually are interested in, there's not the pressure of like, I have to get married now. <laughs> or this has to be the one because you've settled in your heart that your cup is filled with Christ and it doesn't need to be filled by anyone else. But that's a dirty and messy and like that's a process. And I'm telling you, I, I know I'm talking this, but I bet you maybe one or two people will actually do that. One or two people will actually do that because so many of us hold the idol of dating and relationships. Very few of us are actually serious about this. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit himself will convict our hearts and will draw us in to having a desire to be filled by him only. Because if we don't, if we don't do that, we're no different than the world. If we don't do that, guys, our relationships, let's be real, Christian relationships, people are having sex just as much outside of the, uh, outside of the church. And we did our series on sex. I'm not condemning anyone who's, who's had that experience and they've made those decisions in the past, but I'm saying God's not about that. Like, he, like that's against God's plan. And, and, and we, if we're going to be the light of the world, we have to look different. And the number one area that we look just the same is in dating. So this is a good step for us. You know what holiness means? It means to be set apart. It means to be set apart apart, meaning that we look nothing like the world. This is heavy, right? So this is heavy. I'm calling, I'm like calling some stuff out and, and, and I recognize that and I feel a, a grace to do that. And, but I also want to say, I also want to say within this, it's perfectly normal for you to have that desire. I'm not trying to take that desire of, of being in a relationship or dating or being married away. That's not my point. That's not my heart. My heart is, though, is we need to place it in the right priority. And sometimes in order to place something in the right priority, we have to quench its hunger. Does that make sense? So like you have to like remove it completely for a season in order to have actually a healthy view of where you can put it. That's what I'm referring to. And some of you don't need to do that. Like some of you have settled this already and you've done it and it's like, great, yes, thank you for being a model. Some of, a, some of you haven't and you need to. <laughs> like if you go out, out of tonight and you don't do anything with this, guess what? Nothing in your life is going to change. <laughs> because if nothing changes, nothing changes. And instead of going and trying to do it on your own, my recommendation is to get in your room alone and to pursue Christ, recognize your brokenness, 
recognize your need for him to meet you and adopt you and do that. And guess what? It's going to take more than one time. He said, the, God says, if you, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me for 15 minutes. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me at access at the altar during worship so everyone can see you. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me by posting Bible verses on your Instagram story. No, it says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Like, how much is all of your heart, guys? <laughs> like, how much, like, how desperate are you to find God? How desperate are you to find him? <laughs> how desperate am I to find God? Like, can you imagine, like, just picture that right now. What does it look like to find God? Like, you can imagine, like, this is a big church. Like, you're, like, running around, like, looking in all the closets. You're like, God, are you in here? Like, you're like, nope, okay, let's go to the mezzanine. <laughs> let's go. Whoa, I didn't know that door was back there. God, you up here? You're, like, looking at all the corners. You're like, okay, God, where are you? Like, where are you? And then you're like, oh, maybe I should pray about this. God, where are you? Like, God, maybe he'll find. Like, imagine he, he promises, if you, see, like, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. And God will, meet, I promise you, God will meet us. God will meet us because he is a good father who will meet and satisfy and fill his children every single time. He will. It's a promise and he desperately wants to. So my question for you is, is what does your next step towards Christ look like? What does your next step towards Christ look like? I want you to think about that. This is a room of 140 some odd people. Like, everyone's step towards Christ looks different. For some of you, you're, you, you're, you, this whole God thing is new to you. So what does that look like? Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him when, when, when you're alone. What does my next step look like? Does it look like Trusting God with your finances, with tithing? Does it, start, does it look like starting a journey towards freedom from pornography? Does it look like being more consistent with being plugged into church and community? Does it look like developing patterns of consistency in the, in the Bible and in the Word and in prayer? What does your next step towards Christ look like? Attending Kairos in a few weeks to receive freedom from the baggage of your past? which if you don't know what Kairos is, um, it's a, sorry, it's a weekend of freedom Friday and Saturday at the end of April. You should definitely go to it. Definitely go. Is it eliminating certain friend groups who are leading you down the wrong path and don't, that, that, wrong, down the wrong path that you don't want to be on? Is it listening for God's voice on a daily basis? Is it the next steps of boldness and trust is your next step radical generosity? Is your, is your next step increasing your passion for the Bible? Is your next step getting involved in a ministry that serves the underprivileged, like the Powerhouse or Dream Center? 
Is your next step seeking peace in your family relationships? I don't know what your next step is, but your, the, the healthiest step to, to your next relationship is a step towards Christ. So what's that, what is that step? And remember, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Let's step and move towards Christ in order to have healthy, healthy dating relationships that move into marriages. Let's pray. Well, I don't want to assume that everyone here is right with God. I don't want to assume that everyone is, is on the path that leads to, to, to eternal life and to heaven. So if you came in tonight and, and you're not right with God, if you came in tonight and you've been living your life your own way, and it's led you to a place of brokenness, of emptiness, of addiction, or whatever else that led you down to. If you've never trusted your life to God, today's your day. God offers total and complete forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ, who lived on this earth 2,000 years ago, historical fact, who died on a cross and sacrificed his life for the sin of the entire world. And, it, and he says in the Bible that anyone who calls on my name, anyone who puts their trust in me, their sins will be forgiven and they can go into heaven. And it says in the Bible that broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And it's through Jesus Christ. And if you are feeling a drawing from God, his presence, his peace, if you're feeling that drawing in your spirit and in your heart, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that as an individual human being, to respond to God's love for you. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. And when you raise your hand, what you're saying is that I am broken. And that I need, I say, I need someone to save me from this brokenness. And then what you're saying is that I believe that Jesus is the only way for me to receive forgiveness and freedom from my, from my past mistakes and my sin. If that's you, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it up. Praise the Lord. Come on, hands all over the room. That's amazing. Will you, everyone just repeat this prayer after me? Say, Father, I thank you for finding me. Thank you for Jesus. His love, his sacrifice for me. I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sin and my old life. And I believe Jesus was raised to life so that I could live a life filled with purpose, with passion, and with freedom. Holy Spirit, 
I invite you into my heart. Make your home in me. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to move this information from my head into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.